All that being said, the guys are still, you know, busting heads. Touchdowns still count as six points, right? A win is a win is a win still. Those losses mm-hmm. still count. So this is this is definitely a legitimate season, right? This is the Splitting Hairs podcast brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Um, my player of the game is is going to be Tucker Craft on offense. Um, I just saw some stuff that I think he might be able to to, to do against their defense um, watching the UND game. We're not sure if we have a game to preview. We're going to do it anyways. Unique way. I, I like how South Dakota State has approached it. We've, we've grinded it out, taken care of our own. Um, we've made the sacrifices necessary to not have these uh, positive tests and to not, you know, leave our teammates out to dry there. Uh, bison. Uh, bison. Uh, there you go. Ba- now here are your hosts, Matt Tollefson and Kyle Sheehan. And welcome back to the Splitting Hairs podcast presented by Jack Rabbit Illustrated. Uh, Matt and Kyle with you tonight. And, uh, you know, we don't have a game to look back on. We're not sure if we have a game to preview. We're going to do it anyways. Uh, but what a weird weekend for the Missouri Valley. Kyle, how you doing? Doing well. I was trying to enjoy the, the sunshine outside, get out with the dogs, uh, do some yard work, get some chores done. It was a good weekend just to step away from ball at least for, you know, three hours of the day for sure. But it... Uh, kind of shaped up to be a very interesting weekend as far as the Missouri Valley is concerned. You know, we have obviously the the game going into it for us with Illinois State um, being canceled and uh, deemed a uh, no contest, not a forfeiture, uh, for those of you who are late to the party on that one. Um, and then now we have another emerging situation where the day of the game, North Dakota State, due to a positive COVID test and contact tracing, had to, I, I guess they're canceling that USD game outright. Mm-hmm. So, so Matt, then, do you have any other intel on that? Did they actually they actually traveled to Sioux Falls entire team? Did they get that that far? How did that How did that shape out? Yeah, so they they were in Sioux Falls uh, Friday nights, and then the media, all of the media, <laughs> is tweeting: "We're about to leave Fargo Airfield, heading to Vermilion." All the media gets down to Vermilion, and as soon as they hit the ground, they got reception back, and they're saying the game's canceled due to positive COVID tests. And then 20 minutes later, Jay Elson with Midco, who's the USD guy on Midco, is tweeting that it's because of COVID within the Bison program. And then uh, Bison, uh, Bison, uh, there you go. Fa- folks, media folks are tweeting that it's because of uh, COVID within the USD program. And then, you know, about 20 minutes after that, even, uh, then it said, you know, it's because of COVID within both programs. And so the medical staffs of both teams just decided they shouldn't play the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think really like just a mess, um, you know, with, with Youngstown and UND getting called off like that. That was maybe the bigger bummer for us because I think Youngstown may have had a decent chance of uh, of taking it to UND. So that game sounds like it'll get made up that last week, that last week right before playoffs. Um, but obviously the USD NDSU one won't because USD is already scheduled to play 
correct. Western Missouri, Illinois. Yeah, Western Illinois. Thank you. So, right. who, who Western, how about them? They kind of put a scare in you and I for a little bit yeah. there. So, you know, playing yeah. with pride, right? Like young guys mm-hmm. uh, trying to earn a spot and kind of earn their keep. And then you also have, you know, upperclassmen who are really trying to make hay being their last ride. I don't know how many guys on their program are going to, you know, hang, hang up the pads after this spring season. It sounds like a lot of guys who have different uh, ambitions with their academic career, professional careers like Preston Tetzloff, they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, give it a go and um, become an athlete in a different, a different domain in life. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, it's excellent for Western Illinois to kind of be competitive. And I, you always love seeing that because you got to have pride if you're going to finish something out when you really don't have a lot to play for. But springboarding into the fall, this is kind of what concerns me since we're talking about the spring season and how fall 2020 already got pushed back. Some schools played, some schools didn't. Um, some schools opted out like Indiana State, which uh, in my opinion now is starting to look um, as the complexion kind of clears up with this spring season. It's looking like not not a terrible idea, right? Because there's going to be a handful of teams. Obviously, there's only 16-team six, playoff um, there's going to be a handful of teams who gutted it out, grinded, you know, had good success this spring season, and they're going to get, you know, left on the outside looking in. And one of those teams, if we don't take care of business the rest of the way out, could be the Jacks. And, you know, fortunately, we've been blessed to not accrue a ton of substantial injuries, but there's no guarantees in this game. It's a very unforgiving game. Injury is a great equalizer. So, you know, a lot to unpack as we go into this next two weeks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you bring up a great point with the injuries because we've been pretty darn blessed uh, this season. Obviously, Pierre, you know, with the ankle injury and and the long snapper, Jaden Mueller, um, being our most probably, I think, significant injuries. I, Jabori, I really. Jabori, well, Jabori really. as well. Yeah, or Jabori, Jabori really. Because, not, not because, you know, obviously Keaton has high-quality live game reps. He's shown he can win. He's shown he can win in big situations. But you don't want to have essentially your two top quarterbacks go out yeah. or, or have that potential. And with the with the propensity we've shown to be able to run and to to be able to run often with our quarterback, uh, it's a bold mm-hmm. move. So, you know, everyone's going to get a year back regardless of what happens spring and fall, right? So, mm-hmm. um yeah, it's interesting. I, I I don't know what to think of it now. You know, I'm I'm a guy who obviously you finish what you start. I played six years of football personally, so you know I'm not shy uh, from the devotion that's required and the physical toll it takes. Uh, having had multiple surgeries myself, but it's not something you want or you wish for. Or you or you go head on into. You know, you don't want to be self sacrificial on this one. And the more I understand, the flat coach back has gotten. Um, from calling the season early, but, you know, every team has their own unique circumstances that they have to navigate, Um, whether that be managing your roster. You brought it up a lot this year on the pod this spring season. Some teams did a a better job than others in managing those rosters, right? Better recruiting classes coming in, less attrition due to graduation, better – better management of their depth chart, right? And, and playing guys and not having them enter the portal, so on and so forth. Some like you and I, uh, they're just a victim of their own great recruiting and great development, you know, with, with guys mm-hmm. even early, um, like Briley, the tight end who went to Kansas State, you know, transferring 
Um, and then you had like Bradley Moore, and then you have, you know, Ellerson Smith and, you know, the big Spencer tackle, Brown, yep, Brown yep. who will put up excellent numbers. And so, you know, every team has to approach it in their own unique way. I, I like how South Dakota State has approached it. We've, we've grinded it out. We've taken care of our own. Um, we've, we've made the sacrifices necessary to not have these uh, positive tests and to not, you know, leave our teammates out to dry there. But there are no guarantees. And so if we play a team that's not taking care of themselves, right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that's <laughs> – that's yeah. where the rubber. That's where the rubber meets the road, as they say. And and I'm just I'm just not so sure at this point. So you gut it out. Let's say you're a five and let's say you're a five and one, five and two team. Let's say you're a six. You know what are what are we at right now? Five and one, four and one. Yeah, four and one, right? Four and one. So say we knock two two more games out. Let's say we go five and two or or six and one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then we're left on the fringe but we get banged up towards the last couple games mm-hmm. or we make the playoffs, have a nice little run, but get banged up as a result. You know, are we robbing, yeah. Pe- are we robbing Peter to pay Paul in the fall? Huh. So, I mean, I said this earlier this week um, because they're starting uh, of opposing fan bases. They're starting to be this, this theme of like, well, this is, this doesn't count. This is a fake season. These are the teams that have no shot at making the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's even, I mean, even the the, the fans up north are starting yeah. to say it, um, right. you know, and and I don't think that's true. Like, I think, yeah, you know, when they look back on this and say, you know, COVID happened, but the Jackrabbits were the 2020 FCS national champions, like, I don't know if. I don't know if in 20 years or in 50 years, you know, that's going to, that's going to matter. Like it's, they, they, they say this giant asterisk thing, but you know, when, when there was championships occurring during world war two and during the Vietnam war and things like that, when rosters were being, you know, switched around, um, like, does anyone really remember that? Like, you know, I mean, I'll it, be honest with you. They played real football back in uh, before before uh, minorities were able to play or really considered, you know, uh, being able to have a seat at the table and, and get full-fledged opportunities. And uh, I look at those differently, right? I mean, yeah. you're not dealing with a full toolkit. So I do look at those differently. Like the, University, sure. like the University of Minnesota, for instance, and to their credit, they were one of the first institutions to actually allow um, African-American black athletes to be able to play for them. But they have a ton of championships prior to that without without I mean they're playing six sure. games and sure. you know obviously the travel limitations are quite different. The budgets in the athletic departments are you know a far cry from what they are now. Um, but all that being said, the guys are still you know busting heads. Touchdowns still count as six points, right? A win is a win is a win still. Those losses mm-hmm. still count. So this is this is definitely a legitimate season, right? Um you know, nothing against some of the squads who opted out, but those who opted out, I don't think we're legitimate title contenders going in. Um, you know, they say that's why you play the game, but call a spade a spade on that one. Um, I think when you when you look at it, I just go back to that same point I made earlier without beating a dead horse. You just have to wonder if you're robbing Peter to pay Paul at this point. Sure. And that's really my only point as far as I think it's a legitimate season, but as a coach, I'm just glad I'm not in that situation to have to weigh and measure if this is the right decision 
springboarding into the future for the program. Sure. Yep. I think that makes sense. So um, about an hour ago, um, maybe a little more now, uh, Ross Uglum from uh, the Bison Report, uh, which is NDSU's version of Jackrabbit Illustrated. They're connected to the 24-7 Sports Network as well. Uh, He tweeted that um, he's hearing from within the NDSU program that they are they are optimistic that the game will be played on Saturday. So we figured we better talk about the game on Saturday. Uh, and a little bit um, thinking of the, about this, Kyle and I talked just a little bit pre-show. I'm just not sure of all the timing of these NDSU positive tests. Uh, it seems super strange that the media was already on their way down to Vermilion or in the air uh, when the game was called off. Uh, were the, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I work um, in my professional life. I work at a, a hospital and clinic, um, you know, and, and uh, not in the medical area. I'm a grant writer, but I still am privy to a lot of these conversations. Um, and so either it was a rapid test on Saturday morning because someone was symptomatic or had a known exposure to someone who was uh, positive or it was a test that was returned late from Friday night. Um, but again, uh, we've been told that Missouri Valley testing takes place on Wednesdays. So, you know, I'm, I'm just really baffled at the timing on this. Uh, Chad Myros, who, you know, is a contributor for the takedown wrestling podcast, uh, pulled open the CDC information. And I believe he had looked at the Valley information that was released before the season. And I thought it was, like a 10 day window or 14 days or something like that, that, that if you tested positive or, you know, you had to sit for 14 days, if you were tested positive, it was like 10 days. If you had a known exposure, something like that, it just was a, some really weird timing. So I'm wondering, you know, with this contact tracing with NDSU, you know, how that's going, the contact tracing might be finished or must be finished if they're confident or optimistic a game will take place on Saturday. I, I'm really interested in that piece of it, and we'll never know. We'll never know uh, what the answers are. We'll just know if the game's played or not, and we'll be able to tell who's on the field or not. So <laughs> Exactly. You, you bring up excellent points with the contact tracing. How is this going to play out? Are, are the, the folks who were deemed to be in close quarters with this individual who tested positive or individuals who tested positive – are they going to be out for the game because of the, the time frame in which you've got to be, you know, isolated from, from other folks? Are, if you're symptomatic, the last day of symptoms that you show is when your countdown begins. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how can you gauge who's been in contact with them then if their symptoms have been onset and have shown for X number of days? There's a lot, there's a lot to really take into consideration there. And I think if, if we're talking about health, and there's reasons to not compete for for COVID purposes. This leaves a big question mark, I think. And then I think it leaves a bigger question mark because both teams, NDSU and South Dakota State, they want to finish their their seasons mm-hmm. and at least get another game. So I don't I don't think there's any real shame in shelving it. You know, I'm not I'm not advocating for that. If it's a go, it's a go. Let's let's mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely let's, let's yes. lace them up, line it up, and and may the best man win. Um, but with that being said, I think there's no shame in, in getting to the final week, playing the game, 
Um, I, I know from a South Dakota State perspective, it doesn't look like we'll have any reason to make up a game if we were able to just get that USD game in. I like mm-hmm. our at-large or perhaps um, conference outright chances uh, at winning that. Um, but, you know, there, there's going to be a, a lot that will unfold over the week that I think is going to start to tell us a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into NDSU a little bit. And um, I started my preview of them last week because, well, we didn't have a game. And so I couldn't watch Illinois – or no, who were we supposed to play? Illinois State. I couldn't watch yeah. Illinois State. So I watched NDSU games. And um, really an interesting thing going on up there. You know, for for the last number of years, um, since Brock Jensen, NDSU has had fairly stable and quality quarterback play. You know, you go through the line, uh, Brock Jensen, Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, Trey Lance. And the big the big uh, thing about their season this year, and this is by NDSU fans will tell you the same thing. Zeb Nolan is not in the same class as these other quarterbacks. Um, he's a he's a good player. He had some nice games at Iowa State. Um, but the thing about him is that he he does not create his own plays with his feet. And that's something that all the quarterbacks that I just mentioned were able to do. Um, maybe Brock couldn't move as well, um, but Carson and Easton and Trey sure could motor. Um, you know, and I, I have vivid memories of terrible plays of those quarterbacks scrambling for first downs on third and 10 plus. And it's yeah. a terrible feeling, but I don't believe Zeb Nolan can do that. And that's a huge difference. What have you seen, Kyle? I know you've watched a little bit of them this year. That's a great point, and you can you can really see that uh, manifest itself in in the contrast in quarterback play um, that you've seen from North Dakota State and South Dakota State, um, going all the way back to like prior to Sumner. I, I played with a, a guy uh, Thomas O'Brien. We want we beat North Dakota State three straight years, um, and he you know he was a great um, aspect in doing that in '09 and in '08. Uh, we had Ryan Berry who obviously the infamous uh, two-point conversion play, uh, he had a concussion. Did he have, Did he not have a concussion? Ryan Crawford came in. So um, none of those guys were really mobile. Crawford was more of the Brock Jensen type uh, mm-hmm. style when he had to run and move his legs. He could, had kind of a little awkward style, but you know Crawford really got it done uh, in his lone year as a Jackrabbit, had some injury concerns as well. Then you look at Sumner and he would torch you through the air um, mm-hmm. and could extend the plays, but wasn't going to fool you or, or blow you away with any type of speed. Um, but he was, uh, I would say he's a savvy runner. And then you look at Taron, he was really, a, his legs was really a pivotal reason we were able to win that game in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then 2017, obviously the turnover situation, really getting Easton off his spots with a lot of good pressure from blitzes, timely blitzes, good good pressure from the defensive front four, all that type of stuff took took shape. I think what really hurt us is, it, and it's hurt us historically, not only in NDSU games, is getting off the field on third downs. I think when you have a quarterback that doesn't possess that ability like you touched on, Zeb does not seem to possess – the escapability, um, extending plays with his legs like that. So I think that that allows you to kind of pin your ears back and not have to spy, not have to add another maybe nickel defender or linebacker to be able to kind of shadow him. That's going to bode well for for uh, for defenses, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, with 
with that, um, they're depleted right now a little bit with their weapons. Uh, Phoenix Sproles, their wide receiver number two, he's, he's a really nice playmaker. Um, he was hurt in the fall uh, and hasn't played at all this spring. Their running backs, they've had just a slew of injuries at running backs. They've had two transfer out. Um, they're down to um, last week against UND, actually. Their fullback, Hunter Lupke, who I believe is like a second-team All-Valley performer, um, he returned and basically became their tailback. Uh, you know, he rushed for 190 yards and three touchdowns. Um, UND was totally unprepared for him to carry the ball. Uh, they put him at tailback, and then they still had their other big fullback in there with two tight ends, uh, totally heavy. Um, they ran behind those tight ends over and over and over again. Um, they did lose one of their electric playmakers, Kobe Johnson, uh, to a, a knee injury, it sounds like. It doesn't sound good at all. Um, but they get back uh, a little 5'5", 180-pound uh, Jalen Boosie, and, and he's pretty electric. Um, him and Braylon Henderson – one of their wide receivers uh, have have really just incredible speed, so that's something to watch. Um, and then their big wide receiver, Christian Watson, Christian Watson. yeah, he's their guy that they want to get the ball to through the air, um, and he is a good player. Like yeah. there's no doubt about it. Great size speed combo, in my opinion. Yeah. Really has the the ability to break away from defenders. So that's that's the big thing. Getting in the hit pocket, mm-hmm. maybe getting physical with them at, off the line of scrimmage. That's that's how what I would always like to see. Obviously, we have the weapons to be able to do such a thing with Don, his big physical frame. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's you know obviously what he did last. Uh, I should say two weeks ago now mm-hmm. on SIU's top target. You know that's that's really what you like to see going into a matchup like this with another top Valley receiver. So Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing though, as you know, and anyone who's watched FCS football or really even football um, as a whole and seen what uh, the bison bison have been able to do at the uh, FBS matchups that they've lined up their, their trench trench play Mm -hmm. has been really stellar. I think that's been uh, the, the separator between, what they're able to do in the wins and loss column versus what other teams uh, are aspiring to do. So I think that mm-hmm. there's really not a huge, while they are lose, losing some guys like uh, Radunes, is that how you say his name? Radunes. Yep. Radunes. Yeah. They're losing him to the draft. Obviously that's going to be a, a, a key point of emphasis in terms of filling his vacancy, but they do a really good job of developing O linemen, and you have to be yeah. able to give credit where credit is due. They've obviously developed really good bevy of defensive linemen as well with mm-hmm. Tuska, um, if I'm saying his name right, Derek Tuska, who uh, got drafted and plays yeah. for the Bron- Broncos. And, you know, yep. they've had a litany of guys like that. Kyle Emanuel, who, mm-hmm. uh, who was, uh, I believe, the Buchanan Award winner. So they've really been able to reload in that category, and uh, we're nipping at their heels. Um, you know, a lot of people, especially Sam Herter, have liked to give us some some admirable credit, right? And credit where I believe there is some due. Um, and then you got certain Bison fans out there in the <laughs> social media world chiming in that we're the most complete team in the Valley, maybe trying to light a little fire or a spark here and there. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's I think there's still a significant gap. I think South Dakota State has a lot to do in terms of maturation. And, uh, you know, maybe guys are watching this, maybe they're not. But these are things I would say to them, and I I know these are things that the coaches 
are saying to them in their own way, they, they have better relationships, they know them better and they know how to connect. But I don't think that we're, we're quite of the caliber yet. Um, and the way that you, the way that you decide if we are of that caliber is the, the stupid mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. The block, like a loss is different than when you have, you know, procedural penalties and key situations, when you have senseless turnovers, when you have kicks blocked, when you have, uh, you know, when you, you get, when you get humiliated on fourth down, uh, yeah. things like that. Well, and I agree, Kyle. I think, I think, and Stiggs talked about this, right. In his, in his scoring, um, his, uh, his, his, how do they break it down? Mental and physical. Uh -huh. And they want to be 98% right on their mental effort, players. I believe yeah. championship effort formula. And yeah. in last uh, two weeks ago, I should say, is the closest they've, they've gotten to that. And now we got to remember, too, they had a kick blocked. Yep. I, yeah. I, think, I think the statistical average for being able to win a game when you have a kick blocked goes down dramatically. So yeah. for us to be able to have asserted our will on the road like that really shows a lot. And that, that shows a quality win, a very quality win SIU. Um, I, I know the B team will get into it. I'm sure in their um, breakdowns, but uh, SIU was able to go into Missouri state and kind of claw their way back. But Missouri state got the win. They got the win at home on a last, uh, last second field goal or last drive mm -hmm. field goal. Um, and with that being said, to, to show what we were able to do with the same loss on our record, obviously, we, you know, we were in the UND game, even though the ball was literally bouncing every which way for, for the fighting Hawks. And uh, yeah. And uh, so I think, you know, it's important to just take that into account. We're not quite there. We need to mature a little bit. And I think that we, I, it's fully within our, our wheelhouse to do that. And we've recruited the right type of guys. We, you know, going through the roster, like I brought up in previous podcasts, it's ridiculous how much youth we've got. I mean, that's something to be really excited about. So I'm trying to kind of balance out the criticism here because it's not that I don't think they're a championship caliber team. It's like we know the measuring stick, though. Yeah. Well, and here's my thought. Like he, he, the talent is there, right? Yep. It's just the down-to-down -down consistency of both players and coaches, I'd argue. Um, to, to, to get us there. Um, it's all there. And, and, and this is a chance again, to, to beat them at their place, something that we can do like this. Is, it's going to be a smaller crowd still sounds plenty loud, uh, over the TV broadcasts and stuff. Um, but this is, this is as good a shot as any, like, why not? Why not this year? Let's do it. Um, you know, and you, and you mentioned a little bit of their defensive line, um, you know, in particular, their defense again is is very stout. They've right. they've given up 26 points, I believe, in the last three games, uh, a shutout, and then two 13 point performances. Um, you know, their their best player is is Spencer um, Waggy from uh, South Shore, just up the road. He's from the Watertown area, I believe. He played at Watertown High School, so uh, it was too bad that he you know left the state because um, he's again a great great player for them. Uh, their linebackers, their their linebackers are built like our linebackers. Um, you know, they're they're built more to run than let's say the U and I linebackers that are thumpers. You know, it's, it's just kind of the difference in in type. Um, their secondary is good. Their safeties are probably the strong the strong piece of their defense. Dom Williams and Michael Tutsi, uh, 
really, really good players. That so. You would recognize if you, if you yep. followed the Bison before and you know, he, he's like a lot of the, their, their uh, safeties over the years, Craig dolls, the Christian mm-hmm. dude, Zicks, um, mm-hmm. just showing the, the knack to be able to be around the ball and make plays when it matters. And um you know, it's been a nice. It's been what you would call a traditional rivalry. You know, not yeah. throwing any, not not throwing too big a shade at the the undies up there up north. Um, <laughs> but uh, which got to give Brendan credit for that. I think he and I were going back and forth with some banter, and we kind of devised the undies uh, mm-hmm. name. But uh, it's all love. I think the real the real rivalry, obviously, in the MVFC that that has shown championship level implications is the marker game. So. Mm-hmm. No matter spring, fall, summer, you know, we could play it, um, you know, in a gym. It wouldn't matter. Um, it's going to it's going to have an impact on the rest of the FCS uh, makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mentioned, uh, you know, a little bit that the Bison, the NDSU. Dang it. Why can't I just say Bison? Uh, you are. You got uh, it. I, I mentioned uh, a little bit that they're banged up. And I mentioned the running backs, uh, especially. Uh, offensive line, they're missing a, an offensive lineman, started a true freshman last week. Um, defensively, they, they have a defensive tackle missing. Their middle linebacker, Jackson Hankey, dropped out with concussion, I believe. Um, so we'll see if he's good to go. I mean, he has a two-week gap. Um, they've also had just some other dings. Uh, Dawson Weber, uh, starting safety, hasn't played all season uh, since getting injured in the UCA game. So... Yeah, they have. They're dinged up. I mean, like I said, we're pretty blessed that uh, yeah. that our injury situation isn't any worse than it is. So, uh, when you look at our peers in the conference and where they're at injury wise, definitely. And then you look at clearly they've had some matchups where they've been they've been taken to the wire. Uh, you know, if you watch mm-hmm. the Illinois State game, Illinois State always plays them tough. Uh, mm-hmm. They they seem to have their number to some degree defensively, um, and then obviously that's a little bit of a function of. Um, maybe some ineptitude at the quarterback position and trying some new guys out. Cam Miller, we, we mm-hmm. should highlight his name, the, the yeah. freshman who has come in and, and made some big plays in timely situations. So, um, you know, that being said, they've been tested. Their medal's been tested. Illinois State's always a good program, regardless of what their record mm-hmm. shows. They tend to not be able to get over that hump really since 2014 when they had their FCS championship appearance. Mm-hmm. Um Outside of uh, outside of that, man, I just I think it's it's really simple, right? Uh, make sure your game plan is crisp going in. Make sure everyone is familiar with their their responsibilities. Their one eleventh, as Stig would say, control time of possession. Don't turn the ball over, um, and get off the field on third down. It's really that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely right. I have nothing to add to that, Cal. That's perfect. So it's time for this predictions. I predict, first. <laughs> I predict that that they're gonna play. Um, regardless of what we feel about that, I don't I don't I don't necessarily like it, especially with with what we've learned. Uh, unless something drastically different than what we suspect comes out mm-hmm. um, as it relates to the contact tracing, the the symptomatic individual or large swaths of people are out. Um, I think they're going to end up playing anyway. And with that being said, I like the Jacks going up in there, um, weathering the storm. I was going to pick the good guys. I'm going to go um, 21-20, Jacks. Ooh, okay. Uh, so I actually have this one going 20-14, uh, to 14, Jacks. So 
kind of funny there. there um, and I do think um, my player of the game is is going to be Tucker Craft on offense. Um, I just saw some stuff that I think he might be able to to, to do against their defense um, watching the UND game. And then defensively, uh, I think Reese Winkleman gets off the snide uh, this week and has a big impact on the game. I love so, that. I love yeah. both of those picks. I'm going to go Quentin Hicks because I think Quentin has shown when you put him on a tur- on turf like that, his burst is unreal. Um, mm-hmm. With with a little bit of I'm going to put in brackets there Tolu because I think Tolu mm-hmm. has, has been playing exceptional and I think that he's been a handful, especially in third down pass rushing situations and in different packages we've thrown out there and. Uh, leave it up to Coach Rogers and Coach Berge to have a little wrinkle going into that game, as well as Coach Eck. So, mm-hmm. Quentin, Quentin Hicks on defense. Offensively, um, I'm gonna put on. I'm gonna put it on. Frank says my dog says Mark. I, he, the two bark is Mark. So Mark, Mark, yep, Mark, Mark, Marky, Mark, and the funky bunch in the backfield, baby. <laughs> hey, there Look, we I go. Good vibrations, man. Is that too cheesy? I don't even no, care. It you're works. Good. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Mark because I think that he's going to rise up and I think he's going to, he's going to have to assert his moxie savvy, whatever you want to call it on the game, um, make good decisions, play within himself. I would go with, you know, I really would go our entire offensive backfield, um, Mm -hmm. because I think we're going to ride Isaiah, maybe Pierre plays, maybe he doesn't, he's getting a whole, you know, a couple weeks. So it'll Mm -hmm. be interesting how it turns out. Yeah. And I think, uh, Last check, Dallas and Brendan are both going to be there on site, I believe. Yep. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully they can stay COVID-free um, up in the Fargo Dome. Uh, <laughs> and so we'll see how, how they yeah. do. Um, we'll see if Brendan gets anything yelled at him. I always feel like he gets something yelled at him at that stadium. Uh, that's that's semi – no, not semi-offensive. It is offensive. Yeah. So we'll just see. I'm sure he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't say anything. He probably walks into yeah. it. Good little choir boy that Brendan is. Yeah, yeah, you know him. Yeah. <laughs> right. He doesn't bring it home to his daughter. He's good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're muffed on the daughter. Yeah. <laughs> anything else, Kyle? No, man, I'm I just excited for uh, the week upcoming. Hopefully everyone can stay safe and healthy, and uh, hopefully they deliver, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm looking forward to just hopefully having some football, a couple more weeks left of football, hopefully more with the playoffs. Uh, We'll see. I feel lucky that we've gotten to have this much football. And again, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we've stayed relatively healthy. We haven't uh, jeopardized our fall season. Um, So again, uh, thank you for those that watch. Thank you for those that listen. Give us a follow on social media, Jackrabbit Illustrated, and then Splitting Hairs. so, Kyle, anything to add there? So, Yeah, I just want to let you guys know i got an exciting uh, couple former player features I'm um, doing this this week with some guys who made big plays, hint, hint, in marker games of the past. So uh, I'm excited to, to talk to those individuals and uh, at least get one out for you. I would don't, probably don't want to double them up, but it should be, uh, it should be good, good combos either way. And I have one as well. Um, so Chad, Chad messaged me, and um, he's going to do a special episode of the Takedown Podcast uh, featuring the Bulldog, uh, David McQuad. 
uh, former oh, Jackrabbit, who's nice. now doing uh, Misha. MMA. Yeah, Misha, yeah, who he was in the UFC yeah. for for a tick, and then he uh, he was in a different promotion, and yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, so David actually walked on um, to to the football team when I was when I was there, so I got to know him a little bit, man. But it's great to see him represent. Um, obviously his tribal pride and, and just do some excellent things and really lift himself up out of uh, the situation that, that is historically kind of, you know, hurt, hurt the tribe. But so it's really nice to see that, man. That'll be exciting. Yeah. So it should be good. Uh, busy week, obviously. We'll keep putting out good content for you. So uh, with that, go big, go blue, go Jacks. This has been the Splitting Hairs Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe as well as follow Jackrabbit Illustrated on Facebook and Twitter. We're not sure if we have a game to preview. We're going to do it anyways. Uh, bison. Uh, bison. Uh, there you go.